16? Day 16, day I 16. believe. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh, that's crazy. I, I think know. it's day 16. I think so. The last one was 13, and I think that was three days ago. That feels like about three days ago, but time is getting a little weird. Yeah, it feels like a million years ago. So sorry for the delay, guys, in getting out this next episode of Smells Like Quarantine Spirit. Bizarrely enough, my second week of recovery was way worse than the first week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who knew? But here we are. Here I am. I'm still here. You're doing a little I'm better. Still alive. Doing doing Today a little better. Seems to be on the upswing. Yes. Fingers crossed. Let's hope. Um, Your blood work came back well. And, mm-hmm. uh, yes. Yes. I not had to, of had to go to the hospital for that, which was exciting. scary and yeah. exciting because, you know, we're in a quarantine for a reason. <laughs> so mm-hmm. going to a doctor's office does not seem super fun. But we were no. very, very, very careful. Didn't even sit down. Didn't even sit down, <laughs> literally stood the whole time. I have teeny tiny veins, so they just like stabbed me a million times while I was standing, <laughs> like not touching anything and hmm. uh, to get the blood. But it came back and it seems cool. So anyway, here we are. I am feeling better, but I'm not quite 100%. So I actually came up with a new thing that we can do. A new format. <laughs> a new little format just to shake things up a little mm-hmm. bit. So what we were thinking is, as you know, Adam has the best voice just it's amazing it's it's okay it's pretty good mm-hmm. yeah he's a, he's a, it's okay but he does it with that growly thing in there <laughs> it's, and it's all right i realize <laughs> it's fair to midland fair to midland <laughs> <laughs> it pays the bills in a world <laughs> <laughs> um but i'm always the one talking and mm-hmm. chit-chatting yeah. because i don't know i do that a lot um so i thought as a nice little treat for everyone both to give myself a break from writing these and for you guys from hearing me prattle on about this stuff, um, we're going to have Adam read you a story. So I've picked out a story by Hermann Hesse, who I'm sure if you haven't read anything of his, you've definitely heard of Siddhartha, Steppenwolf. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote tons and tons and tons of books. But I happen to have this beautiful collection of fairy tales that he wrote. And I haven't read them all yet, but they're really interesting. I love fairy tales and fuck maybe we'll do a whole episode on fairy tales because Mm -hmm. i love them but i thought i'd have ask adam to read a fairy tale to you all because you know on friday nights we no longer go out and party anymore (laughs) we stay at home and do things like read stories by the fireplace Mm -hmm. which is lovely so it's like a little little fireside chat from adam and then we're gonna talk about our responses and reactions to the fairy tale a little bit afterwards so without further ado I give you the painter. During his youth, a painter by the name of Albert did not manage to achieve the success and effect with his pictures that he desired. Therefore, he withdrew from society and decided just to satisfy himself. He tried this for many years, but it became more and more apparent that he could not do this either. One time, as he sat and painted the picture of a hero, he kept thinking, is it really necessary to do what you're doing? Do these pictures have to be painted? Wouldn't it be just as well for you and everyone if you would merely take walks and drink wine? Aren't you just confusing yourself by painting, forgetting who you are, and passing the time away? These thoughts were not conducive to his work. In time, Albert's painting stopped almost completely. He took walks. He drank wine. He read books. He took trips. But he was not satisfied by doing these things. He was often compelled to think of how he had first begun painting with certain wishes and hopes. 
He recalled how he had felt and wished that a beautiful, powerful connection and current would develop between him and the world. That something strong and vigorous would vibrate incessantly between him and the world and generate soft music. He had wanted to express his innermost feelings and satisfy them with his heroes and heroic landscapes so that the outside world would judge and appreciate his pictures, and people would be grateful for and interested in his work. Well, he had not found any of this. It had been a dream, and even the dream had gradually faded and become hazy. Then, wherever Albert was, traveling through the world or living alone in remote places, sailing on ships or wandering over mountain passes, the dream began returning more and more frequently. It was different from before, but just as beautiful, just as powerful and alluring, just as desirable and glimmering as it originally had been. Oh, how he yearned to feel the vibration between himself and everything in the world, to feel that his breath and the breath of the winds and the seas were the same, that brotherhood and affinity, love and closeness, sound and harmony would be between him and everything. He no longer desired to paint pictures in which he himself and his yearning would be portrayed, which would bring him understanding and love, pictures that were intended to explain, justify, and celebrate himself. He no longer thought about the heroes and parades that were to express and describe his own existence as picture and smoke. He desired only to feel that vibration, that powerful stream, that fervor in which he himself would turn to nothing and sink, die, and be reborn. Just the new dream about this, the new reinforced yearning for this, made his life bearable, endowed it with something like meaning, elevated it, rescued it. Albert's friends, insofar as he still had some, did not understand these fantasies very well. They saw only that this man lived more and more within himself, that he spoke more quietly and strangely, that he was away a great deal, that he took no interest in what was lovely and important for other people, took no interest in politics or business, in shooting matches or dances, in clever conversations about art, or in anything that gave his friends pleasure. He had become an odd person, somewhat of a fool. He ran through the gray, cool winter air and breathed in colors and smells of this air. He ran after a little child who sang la-la to himself. He stared for hours into green water, at a bed of flowers, or he absorbed himself, like a reader in his book, in reading the lines and cuts in a little piece of wood, in a root or turnip. No one was concerned about Albert. At that time he lived in a small city in a foreign country, and one morning he took a walk down a street, and as he looked between the trees, he saw a small, lazy river, a steep yellow clay bank, and bushes and thorny weeds that spread their dusty branches over landslides and bleak stones. All at once, something sounded within him. He stood still. He felt an old song from legendary time strike up again in his soul. The yellow clay and dusty green, or the lazy river and steep parts of the bank, some combination of the colors or lines, some kind of sound, a uniqueness in the random picture was beautiful, was incredibly beautiful, moving and upsetting, spoke to him, was related to him, and he felt the vibrations and the most fervent connection between forest and river, between river and himself, between sky, earth, and plants. 
all things seemed to be set there unique and alone, so that they could be reflected just at this moment, coming together as one in his eye and heart, so they could meet and greet each other. His heart was the place where river and grass, tree and air could unite, become one, enhance one another, and celebrate the festivals of love. When this thrilling experience had repeated itself a few times, the painter found himself enveloped by a glorious feeling of happiness, thick and full, like a golden evening or a garden fragrance. He tasted it. It was sweet and thick, and he could no longer bear it. It was too rich. It became ripe and was filled with tension. It aroused him and made him almost anxious and furious. It was stronger than he was, tore him away. He was afraid that it would drag him down with it, and he did not want that. He wanted to live, to live an eternity. Never, never had he wished to live as intensely as he did now. One day he was silent and alone in his room, as though he had just been intoxicated. He had a box of paints standing in front of him, and had laid out a piece of cardboard. Now, for the first time in years, he was sitting and painting again. And it stayed that way. The thought, why am I doing this, did not return. He painted. He did nothing more except see and paint. Either he went outside and became lost in the pictures of the world, or he sat in his room and let the fullness stream away again. He composed picture after picture on cardboard, a rainbow sky with meadows, a garden wall, a bench in the woods, a country road, also people and animals, and things which he had never seen before, perhaps heroes or angels, who, however, became alive like wall and forest. When he started circulating among people again, it became known that he had resumed painting. People found him quite crazy, but they were curious to see his paintings. He did not want to show them to anyone, yet they did not leave him in peace. People pestered and forced him until he gave an acquaintance the key to his room. He himself departed on a journey. He did not want to be there when others saw the paintings. People came, and soon there was a great hue and cry. They had discovered a spectacular genius, to be sure, an eccentric, but one who was blessed by God, and they began using sayings to describe him that are used by experts and speakers. In the meantime, Albert had arrived in a village, rented a room from farmers, and unpacked his paints and brush. Once again, he went happily through valleys and mountains, and later reflected all that he experienced and felt in his paintings. One day, he learned from a newspaper that many people had seen his paintings back home. In a tavern, while drinking a glass of wine, he read a long, glowing report in the newspaper of the major city. His name was printed in big letters in the heading and there were numerous fat words of praise throughout the article. But the more he read, the stranger he felt. How splendid the yellow of the background shines in the picture with the blue lady. A new, incredibly daring and enchanting harmony. The art of the expressions in the still life with roses is also wonderful, not to mention the series of self-portraits. We may place them alongside the great masterpieces of psychological portrait art. Strange, strange. He could not recall having ever painted a still life with roses, or a blue lady, and as far as he knew, he had never made a self-portrait. On the other hand, 
The article did not mention the clay bank or the angels, the rainbow sky, or the other pictures that he loved so much. Albert returned to the city. He went to his apartment dressed in his traveling clothes. People were going in and out. A man sat by the door, and Albert had to show a ticket in order to enter. Of course, he recognized his paintings. Someone had, however, hung placards on them, unknown to Albert. Self-portrait could be read on many of them, and other titles. He stood contemplatively a while before the paintings and their unfamiliar names. He saw it was possible to give these paintings completely different names than he had done. He saw that he had revealed something in the garden wall that seemed to be a cloud to some, and that the chasms of his rocky landscape could be the face of a person for others. Ultimately, it was not all so important. But Albert desired most of all to leave again quietly and to travel and never return to the city. He continued to paint many pictures and gave them many names, and he was happy with whatever he did. But he did not show his paintings to anyone. Okay, thank you for that. There you have it. Ta-da! Ta-da! Okay, so I read this this morning for the mm-hmm. first time, and you read this now for the first time. I did. Um, what are your thoughts? What are your impressions? Hmm. Did, you, did you like it? I did like it a lot. Um, I mean... I couldn't help but think of Vincent Van Gogh many times throughout there. Uh, he's the one that comes to mind when I think of like misunderstood artists who were, you know, just doing their work out of this just deep, uncontrollable passion and drive, often misunderstood, often underappreciated and um, projected upon. But um, yeah, that, that's first impression is I just couldn't help thinking of Vincent. That was one of them. Then I thought about about Herman Hesse, too. In there, I was thinking about what he thinks about his work and his paintings and how they're received and how they're, you know, analyzed. Um, so did you feel like it was a tragic story? A sad story? Uh, not really. I mean, I just, I feel like, I feel like he's capturing the the kind of spirit and, and arc of, of true artists everywhere, probably. I mean, I, I you know, I as a, a visual artist um, also kind of connected with the story and thought about my own path. I feel like I'm sort of in the middle. I feel like I'm in the wandering phase when he goes out and you know, sort of lost his, his fervor for, for painting. But um, so I connected it with it in that way. Um, I did, you know, you know, tragic is not what I, how I would characterize it. Like um, I thought triumphant. Yeah. 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 And I, you know, I, I think, I mean, I think Vincent's a triumph too, for that matter. We, we characterize him as, as tragic, but I mean, the man lost his mind and was, was very sad, but, but he, I think he did probably vibrate with the universe on many occasions and um, and left us some of that residue and, and some of those um, artifacts of, of that experience. But um, he saw in ways that we're only now beginning to understand and see. So I think that's triumphant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you, what were your impressions? Um, I loved it. I thought, yeah. I thought a couple things. So I was, first off, I, w- I was really struck by what to me is just like, it's getting at the core of like why do we create art Mm -hmm. and who do we create Mm -hmm. it for Mm -hmm. and he wasn't able to create art that was either personally or socially fulfilling Mm -hmm. until he let go of the desire to do both of those things right yeah and i i thought that that was really like that really touched me deeply especially Mm. i remember when i first moved to new york city when i just finished grad school and well, I, w- I wanted to write. I wanted to write stories. I still want to write stories, and, and I do now. But 
I had this moment early, early on where I was like, man, I'm so busy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This city is bleeding me dry. It's sucking all my energy. And man, I just don't like I have to make a decision about where I want to spend my time. Mm -hmm. And I thought about the weirdly enough, the TV show Girls, (laughs) how Lena Dunham, you know, in the first episode, she's like, I'm going to write an autobiography or whatever it is, like something about her. She's like 23. And I remember just thinking, God, the hubris of that. (laughs) And I thought to myself, you know, I either have time to live or I have time to write. Mm -hmm. I can't do both right now because New York just takes all of that time from you. And I mindfully thought, you know what? After the first six months where I tried to write all the time, I was like, I'm just going to focus on living and experiencing and seeing what that does for me. Now, I mean, I haven't written great, (laughs) great things the way that, you know, Albert managed to achieve, but Hmm. it definitely made me rethink like, why I was writing like what I wanted to get out of it yeah and I just by the end of it I really felt like strangely enough it's basically a story about stoic philosophy Mm. where it's the end result is that the only thing that's important is how he feels how he's resonating and he cannot control what other people do and see and he shouldn't Mm -hmm. try to and and I thought it was interesting because at the end he he's very accepting of the fact that someone can look at his work and see something completely different right because it doesn't matter because the only thing that matters is how his art relates how how he feels when he's in the act of creation how the process yeah it feels to him but then at the same Mm -hmm. time the very last line where he's like you know he did not show his paintings to anyone I'm curious Hmm. what you think about that like that would that threw me off a little bit because I sort of thought we were going to go to a place... I mean, because Vincent, like, mm. desperately wanted to sell his art. This is, yes. Desperately wanted yes. to get that out. So I felt yeah. like it, it goes in a bit of a different direction. And I genuinely thought Albert was going to land on, oh, like, my art is doing something for mm-hmm. people. So I'll just keep painting and not caring. But, like, I don't care right. if they see it. But right. he, he, cho- he chooses, he wants it to just be for him. Um, I mean, maybe... Maybe he had a had a rich uncle who was paying his bills, so, right, <laughs> so he didn't have right. to care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. But I mean, That's, metaphorically I mean, though, like what? Yeah. What is Hesse getting at? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm going back to Vincent. I like. I, I think if he had unlimited means, he probably wouldn't have cared how people received his work. Is my gut feeling about him? I don't, um, I don't know. I know. I know that. i um, You know, in his journals, he definitely wanted. He wanted to be seen. He wanted. You know. Um, I feel like it's to a very fit in common with that world thing for for artists that it's this feeling of wanting to feel recognized and wanting to feel known but what about emily dickinson for example like i mean the woman was endlessly prolific and it was all for an audience of of herself right Um, but but that's my point that's what i think the point of this story seems to be more like don't be like vincent like don't have that deep Mm. need to be seen and recognized that recognizing yourself should be enough Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i don't know that's that's what i got from it but i thought it was (laughs) i thought it was really beautiful and moving yeah it is yeah it's a really it's it's an interesting story and i yeah i do i do relate with this guy and i i I mean i think about what's what's interesting is that in my own trajectory and um my experience with with art was that i've i've been at moments where i felt like i was absorbed in the process like he was and you know without any self-consciousness and just creating for creation's sake. And, and like, I've, I've ridden those waves and then, but I did, I started showing the work and it sort of like poisoned the well for me. 
And oh. so there, there is this tension. Yeah. There's a tension between sharing your work and, you know, um, and getting involved in that process of, of being received and, and it coloring your work and feeding back into your work, which can be healthy or it can be detrimental. Um, yeah. And it, it is a fine, fine line that I think all creators have to well, navigate. I, and I think it's because it comes down to your intention. Mm-hmm. Like, are you are you showing your work for selfish purposes mm-hmm. or are you showing your work for selfless purposes or are you totally neutral or are you, you know, what is, what is your motivation? Yeah. Because I think that as soon as you take that process and present the end result anywhere, you risk creating a paradigm where, where you you care again mm-hmm. and that's the whole point mm-hmm. for Albert at least in the beginning yep. is that at first he cares too much about pleasing others right. and then he cares too much about pleasing himself and his <laughs> own standards Yeah, and it's only when he fully lets go of that kind of judgment mm-hmm. of himself that and, he and of other purely. people that he's able yeah. to fulfill this thing within yeah. himself well it's interesting because I, I, w- I would argue that uh, he's probably at you know at his apex of health in the middle of the story. Like yeah, um, that on on this this story is sort of bookends with two conditions, uh, two polarities for for the creator that one should avoid. One should you know avoid doing that that overly self conscious, um, you know accolades sort of motivated uh, creation that wants to be seen, and then you should also avoid this purely you know self uh, absorbed creation that doesn't share. Well, but he's happy. Um. Because the middle of the story is when he's not creating. The middle of the story is when he's like... No, 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 no. I mean, the middle of the story when he when he finds his his jam, like when he when he's in his flow and he's like. But I think that continues. I think that continues. I think that's the whole point. Is that that's just him. He finds his flow. Yeah. And then he doesn't do anything else the rest of his life. And when he sees how it affects other people, he's just like, eh. (laughs) Like who cares? But we find that sad, right? Like I don't think I do. No. That's I. That's why I I'm so curious about this about this and why it definitely ended a different way than I thought it would. I mm-hmm. Again, I thought it was going to end with... No. And he saw that people interpreted it differently and we all have different feelings and interpretations mm-hmm. and that's okay. End of story. No, it wasn't. It was, yeah. oh, yeah, that's fine. But whatever. I'm just going to go over here and keep painting and doing my thing and my, like, I have no need to share with Yeah, my gut people. feeling is like about Emily Dickinson is it's only wonderful because we found her work. Like, yeah, I, I, I think it would be tragic if we had never found her work. I think it would be sad. I think it would be a loss. And I don't think it would be as beautiful um, if it were just, you know, if it just happened for her own experience and then disappeared. Like, uh, that's my, I mean, that's my take on Emily well, Dickinson and, that, and, that's, a, and so, Van Gogh for that matter. Like, but he was almost lost. But so he was I, almost I, disappeared. I think I disagree. Yeah. Personally. I know you do. I, We've I had this conversation <laughs> before. I know I you do. I guess we have. I, I, think that, yeah. I think that what a person creates is... If it can help people, yeah, then that's wonderful. Yep. And of course, the world. I would be so sad if we didn't have Emily Dickinson's poems. Mm-hmm. If I wasn't able to read them, but I think that the things that I get from that are like secondary, extra mm-hmm. bonus to what the true function of her art was, which was personal fulfillment and personal connection to the universe. Yeah. You know, kind of like, you know, you might roast a chicken and get to eat it. Um, but then you can still boil the bones and make stock afterwards. And I right. feel like people's art is like the equivalent of the stock for other people where yeah. it's like you can make good things and it would suck if you didn't have fresh stock to make your soup. But ultimately, it's about roasting the bird. Mm-hmm. Welcome to my weird metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, mm-hmm. so 
beautiful story. And yeah, it is a beautiful story. Very different ways to think about it and mm-hmm. just some thoughts of, of art to chew on. Yeah, I think it'll be something I'll chew on and uh, slurp up if we're going to the <laughs> chicken stock metaphor. <laughs> I'll slurp up and, and drink. <laughs> and, yeah. This is gross now. <laughs> <laughs> um, Swish around in my mouth. Would, okay, <laughs> we can stop there. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'd, I'd love to hear what other people have to think if anyone is still listening. I mean, hell, yeah. before we wrap this up, I mean, this podcast. It might be just for you and like me. The, but that's exactly. <laughs> and But the thing is, I get so much out that's of true. creating this. Like, I love it. I love yeah. writing it. I love recording it. Who knows where it could go or not. Yeah, um, that's true. And Good it doesn't point. bother me if no one ever hears it. But we'll put it out there anyway. Good point. So art is worthwhile, even if for an audience of one. I think so. Okay. I'm sold. <laughs> wow, really? Just no like way. That. Just like no that. way. <laughs> More or less. We did it. More or less. All right. Happy Friday night, guys. Enjoy your weekend. Stay well. Stay well. Is that a weird ending? <laughs> I was like, to me, I'm not a weird note. That's not a weird. Okay. And now for That's realsies. Cool. Bye-bye. Goodbye.